And learning from design in post-secondary was especially helpful for improving the care and clarity of my art, no matter how surreal or abstract or rough textured and blurry the idea may be. Welcome to the Pixel Paper Podcast, a series where we get to know the creative processes behind up-and-coming digital artists. My name is Noor, graphic designer and work-in-progress artist, and I'll be your host for this series. This week, we discover Shailen's art journey, which is a saga that spans a large part of her life. She goes into detail about her process and shares her thoughts behind using an alias for social media. She also tells us about her passion for animals and how that reflects in her work, as well as how her graphic design background helps her in her journey. I hope you'll enjoy this episode, so sit back, get comfy, and enjoy. Hi Shailen, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. For the benefit of our audience, can you please introduce yourself? Okay, so hi, my name is Shailen and I'm an illustrator and graphic designer. And although I studied visual communication design, I love digital painting and creating surreal fantasy worlds in that direction. I mean, that's exactly why I followed you actually, because I think I think it was actually Artwell who I interviewed right in the beginning for this podcast, actually. She was the one who directed me to your work. I'm not I'm not sure if you're aware of her, Artwell oh. on Instagram. Oh, oh yeah. Artwell, yeah. right? I think you guys did a collab, right? Recently. Yeah. Um, for, oh, from the Draw This In Your Style, I think. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. sweet. <laughs> yeah, so I think maybe she reposted your artwork or something, and then I just saw your work, and I was just so in love with it. It's It has this really dramatic and cinematic feel, so can you tell us a bit more about your artwork? Oh, yeah, totally. And, oh, that really means a lot that you see that in my work, and you really enjoy that. Um, So I guess when it comes to my art, I really love it as a medium to not only explore kind of imagined places like what you might see from my art, um, but to also put in some more thoughts and emotions from maybe more intangible things. So putting that into something that you can actually see, and that may also include some of the happy or the sad thoughts. Just no matter how straightforward or abstract the idea may be. And some of my favorite pieces actually began spontaneously from these thoughts. And a lot of those might be some of the bigger landscapes or the more ambitious ones that you might come across in my work. And from there, I just really enjoy developing and bringing more story into the piece just as much as the visuals in recent years especially. <laughs> and also lately I've been diving into my own personal world building project that has fueled a little more of these ideas. And it's a project that has really become more dear to my heart in recent years, which involves a partially frozen world that has been recovering after an event that has changed the landscape dramatically. And through these environments and artworks for this project, I wanted to not only show the physical travels and interactions of characters in a world like that, but also maybe sentiments that may feel relatable just to the viewer or from me. It's like kind of a personal experience in that way. That's, I think that's as big of a connection I have with art, um, being something so personal and maybe not just creating something that might look good. In a way, it's my way of showing emotions in somewhat of a hazy, maybe dreamlike form in that way. Yeah. How did your world building project start? Like, where did it come from? Um, So probably for a lot of that, um, I always used to, well, actually, I do still love uh, comics and manga and anime and stuff like that. And I always thought, wow, I'd love to make maybe a graphic novel or a webtoon or something like that in the future. Um, Just having something maybe cinematic and it might not be 
super involved or incredibly like fast paced and that kind of thing, but something just to more explore something in that form. And for this world building project in particular, it mainly started from the characters first. And then over time, especially in the past year or 2020 as well, I came to realize that I think I really want to bring more of the aspects that I love, um, maybe aesthetically or environmentally uh, into that. So that's why I took on more of a frozen polar landscape, uh, maybe emotional and kind of lonesome kind of atmosphere in that mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Like you brought your emotions into it as well. I mean, whether that's subconscious or conscious, I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's that's really cool, actually. It seems like you have a very distinctive aesthetic from what I notice. And I think you've been drawing for a very long time. So how did you get started with your art and how has your style developed over the years? Okay, so I've probably been drawing ever since I could pick up a pencil. Um, and that would probably be maybe around two to three years old. So for almost all of my life, I've been drawing and I've been fortunate to really have this hobby encouraged over the years, um, ever since I was young. I think, though, I was most inspired by books, videos, and I guess any of the nature around me to start with. So as a result, animals have probably made up the bulk of my subjects that I drew earlier on. And also maybe to this day, they make their way into my landscapes, especially with birds and stuff. I'd spend my time learning about animal species and the environment while also trying to draw the photos of what I see from any references, picture books, nonfiction books, encyclopedias, and more. And along the way, I think I also discovered my first Pokemon game, which is Pokemon Fire Red. And that definitely brought an entirely new interest to my attention. Video games after that point have definitely served to inspire me for wanting to design characters and creatures, especially with maybe like fake Pokemon designs or anything that might branch off from there. So on an iPod I had eight years ago, I tried tracing over one of my marker drawings just done traditionally digitally, just as a way of translating something that I took a photo of and tracing over it with my finger. And that would probably end up being one of my first digital artworks besides messing around in MS Paint that fueled kind of one of what's become my biggest passion. It was really exciting to discover something so new. And I got really absorbed in painting with my finger on this tiny little screen. And I know there's many finger painting artists out there today. So it's really great to see that still. And, but going back to that, I continued from there drawing rather cutesy and cartoony animal and pet drawings before being allowed to borrow my mom's iPad to draw on and practices, practice with further. And as I discovered more social media platforms with art communities, because I was finding them more and trying to get inspired, starting to share my art on there, there really was a seemingly endless trove of inspiration in the form of more artists to keep finding and following. I discovered so many artists that would motivate me to finally tackle landscapes and larger scenes and to explore more and figure out what I really enjoyed making. When I came across many concept artists around on places like DeviantArt and Instagram around 2013, that's when I was really the most excited to practice landscapes and just see how far I can go with them. I worked to take in parts of the styles that I enjoyed most. And at that time, that was definitely more of the epic fantasy style of artworks. But to this day, I still enjoy a mix of fantasy and semi-realism, but not quite realism or hyper-realism or anything like that. 
there's probably been a lot of change up until this point, but the dreaminess that others may sometimes describe of my work has probably been one of the more consistent aspects of my work from over all of these years. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's really nice to see that journey that you've gone through, especially because it's such a long journey. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like a childhood dream is starting to come true almost. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of something that I guess for us who continue to make art or I guess creative people in general, it continues to be a journey for the rest of our lives or for as long mm. as we continue to make art. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to ask you actually, this is kind of a side question, but you said you've been on Instagram since 2013. So have you noticed any differences? Like, have you noticed any kind of changes from 2013 till now on the art Instagram sphere, sphere in particular? So yeah, I've definitely seen quite a bit of change ever since at least uh, 2013, that time uh, in terms of the art community. Though it might also be because I was in a bit different, like a bit of a different part of the art community since I was drawing a lot of uh, chibified cutesy animals and lots of cutesy creature designs rather than fantasy landscapes and what I do today. But at that time, I do remember feeling a bit more just a bit more of a connected feeling and it didn't feel like everyone was really trying to in a way build a business because sometimes I do get that feeling that it does start to feel like there's a lot more pressure in terms of just really trying to grow in a way and beating the algorithm and all of that and <laughs> uh, just staying on Instagram's good side in that way and it I mean I'm sure you might have heard of all the changes that have been happening and it definitely wasn't the way it is with um, people or businesses having to do so much just to get what they post seen by their audience it was just in chronological order and people just well well for us since I was basically a kid back <laughs> or in junior high just posting our art just because we love it and to me I just found it so much fun just to keep making stuff and uh, interacting with people I still do love that but it did have a bit more of a small tight-knit community feeling and it is a little bit sad to see uh, or to not see some of those past friends around because well life goes on who knows like things get so busy and it's not always that everyone will continue with art because it felt like a lot of them or at least the ones that I was familiar with were around a similar age maybe so we're just figuring things out and having fun and getting acquainted with the tools that we have because sometimes things like Procreate and other art apps back then, I think um, digital art in that accessible tablet or maybe iPad form or everything wasn't as accessible back then, but was starting to be. And people were still, I guess, getting the feel for possibly using a tablet like their own iPad and a stylus to draw and getting into that, maybe finding out more of what they like. But I guess that's talking a bit more about the people as well as um, Instagram as a platform. But that's what I can think of off the top mm -hmm. of my head, just that stood out yeah. to me. From yeah. that time. I mean, I think, I guess, like other people have kind of said similar things in that not not about the past, but about the current state of Instagram being very competitive and, you know, like the algorithm, the dreaded algorithm, you know, it's just, 
yeah so <laughs> that yeah. algorithm <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah yeah I think I was just it was kind of just a curiosity question that um made me ask yeah that. yeah okay um with regards to your aesthetic, you have a very distinctive aesthetic, which is very painterly, right? So do you do traditional art? And if so, how does this help your digital work? So I still do traditional art here and there. Yes, most of my larger finished works are done digitally these days, although I do enjoy working with pen, colored pencils and watercolor. I definitely do find differences in the process, similarly to simply using a different program for different purposes. But I find that I take a lot of layering techniques from how I work traditionally into my digital paintings. This usually comes from creating a lot of textures and base shapes loosely, like in watercolor and acrylic, before later honing in on the finer details and painting over areas that might not work. I love having earlier brushstrokes and colors show up in the final work um, to really have that textured appearance come across, which goes similarly to how I might paint traditionally mm -hmm. as well. Having a bit of that rough mm -hmm. appearance, not so perfect, mm -hmm. maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think that's interesting because, yeah. like, I mean, I'm looking at your Instagram now and I think. I understand what you're saying about this kind of rough <laughs> appearance, but at the same time, it's still very neat <laughs> from what I'm seeing, you know? <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's quite oil painterly, actually. That's why I was interested in knowing about this question. I have heard that a lot for oil paint. And to tell the truth, I haven't actually oil painted before ever. Um, even though I definitely do love using oil paint brushes alongside the usual acrylic brushes. Yeah, I still have yet to try oil painting. What uh, software do you use? I currently use Procreate for iPad Pro and Photoshop CC on my laptop. Mm. So what do you use more often? Procreate, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, after all these years, Procreate is probably the program that I'm most comfortable with, even though I thought I would later transition into Photoshop because that would be considered more industry standard. And while it is, I still felt like Procreate, as it's been updated more continuously now and maintained to have better and more competitive features in a way, I still think that it's totally capable at least for my purposes at the moment. So I've stayed pretty comfortable with my process yeah. featuring Procreate. Mm -hmm. And this is a curious, again, like I'm curious because there's this one artist I follow called Angry Miko. I don't know if you've heard of him. Well, yeah, yeah, Angry Miko. Yeah, <laughs> so he, he advocates for the one brush rule. Like you should only use one brush in your drawings. So do you follow that oh. principle or do you use multiple brushes? Oh, I definitely do. <laughs> uh, I have quite a few, and they're all pretty um, technically messy textured brushes. It's just like using multiple different brushes, but in different ways, in a way. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not just one brush, but it's also not so many for every little purpose. It's a lot of the same brushes. I have an essentials uh, section for my brushes and those are the ones that I mainly use and they will be used along many things even if if a brush is named a certain way for a certain purpose. I'll use them for yeah just about anything mm -hmm. in my art. Mm -hmm. Do you think it hinders your workflow when you're switching between brushes? Probably not, actually. I find that the most comfortable just to switch every so often, just to get some different textures that I might be going for and to not keep having the same texture, which might be too textured or even too yeah. smooth in a way. Mm -hmm. So when I look through your old artwork, I can see there's a big jump in colour as you, you use really, I would say, Monet-esque colour palettes now. So 
what's inspired your color choices and how does color affect your art? So I've definitely been hearing more of the Monet-esque color palette suggestion uh, in recent times. Though, yeah, I think I can say that my color choices can be pretty dependent on the art I see during the time that I'm working on any given piece. So for earlier landscape and background works, I might have mentioned earlier that I was heavily inspired by concept art that would lean more on the realistic side at that time. Those kinds of epic works you'd see from artists who worked on large productions or AAA games in that style. And the colors from those were usually more muted, mature, and bold. I guess anything you might see in a big movie out these days. But actually, when I returned to sharing my art on social media more around 2020, I actually rediscovered big inspirations of mine that used more magical iridescent colors. These were the kinds of colors that felt so dreamlike, the colors that made me look at a piece and think, yeah, that looks fun to work with, and I love cool colors, so why not try something similar? And ever since my earlier digital painting days, impressionistic art has still remained a pretty strong inspiration, but that grew exponentially in the past year. I simply enjoy being able to zoom in on parts of the piece and see these bits of different color tones and seeing that, for example, the grass isn't just green, it might be gray, red, pink, it might have all these different tones in them that really make up the bigger picture. The progression from desaturated to more saturated areas in the piece can also bring a lot of energy and focus to it. And that's a part of the process that I'd like to keep practicing as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. And for me, I mean, I find it really difficult to, let's say, if you have a reference photo in real life, and then you kind of change the colors so it fits that color palette. So do you have any suggestions, I would say, to kind of, did that make sense? I don't know how to explain it. (laughs) Oh, you mean capturing what you see in the reference photo? Yeah making a new painting based on it yeah and like for example obviously the colors in real life are not purple and pink and stuff so how do you kind of determine what's purple what's pink (laughs) in a painting that's full of green oh i think it's it's like um determining what to change between what you see as i think local color and just adding your your own imagination into changing the piece further further, or maybe determining what would do better for the colors. Um, I think for me, I usually, I usually can't stick to just the realistic colors. Lately, especially it's, well, it's simply what I enjoy a lot, just, adding more saturated tones in though I usually do go by any parts that are in shadow being more cool or maybe well depending on what colors are surrounding it cool or gray toned and then parts that are in light maybe more warm or even have bits of yellow but definitely more on the warm or pink side and then anywhere in between carefully, but maybe not overdoing it, uh, going and adding in any other tones that might fall in between. It is a bit tricky to explain though, honestly, because that definitely is an area that I'd like to improve with as well and have been practicing with for any landscape studies or anything following Mm -hmm. a photo study. Right. I guess like looking at, master painters work would help i'd like to do more master studies too or i actually haven't done that many but i'm sure there's a lot to be learned there as well i just haven't done that many for quite a while (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and um i wanted to ask as well 
when it comes to the colors do you have the color palette in mind like so do you have five colors in mind or do you kind of just kind of just do it intuitively so you just put start putting colors on the canvas and then you just color pick as you I think I lean more towards putting colors on the canvas and then just color picking adding more in and going just seeing where it goes because I might start the artwork thinking that okay it's going to be uh, blue and green but then it ends up changing drastically and usually by the end of the piece I do tweak the colors even more so it might change a lot more then so I find that I can't really stick to that as easily um, at least for personal work mm -hmm. right that's cool and I think I guess like you've used these color palettes or kind of the similar color palette so often that you're kind of just naturally tuned to pick the same colors and use the same colors right yeah I do find that to be also a challenge at the moment because I've gotten so attached to using uh, blues and pinks or somehow it's also moved into the purple and pink territory even though that's not what I intended uh, I usually still would prefer blue and pink but that's an area that I'm also trying to escape from right now for trying to be able to use more of a variety of colors again because they have been dominated by these especially whimsical blue tones mm -hmm. as of late. Do you think it's important to keep an aesthetic like color wise or otherwise? I don't think so unless do you mean um for your entire I mean like an Instagram aesthetic. Oh for Instagram. Yeah for your feed for example. Yeah. Well, even just for your work, you know, if someone sees your work and they want a specific type of art, I mean, is it good to have just one aesthetic so people know that, oh, if I go to this artist, I'll get this kind of work? I do think it can help to have a bit of consistency depending on what you're maybe targeting your portfolio towards. So I haven't built my portfolio to target anything because I am targeting more of a graphic design related job but I've definitely heard that it can help to maybe cater your portfolio in a way or at least sections of your portfolio depending on the kind of work you're trying to get but I don't think that restricting well if it is considered restricting sometimes it's just natural to some artists to have a certain look to their work I don't think it's required because I think no matter what kind of art you do, especially for your personal art, there will be a certain kind of consistency depending on your tastes, your technique and everything that will come through and make it, make it visible that it is your own art, even if it might not seem that way to yourself yeah. at first. Yeah, no, that's true actually, because like, even for myself, people have said, oh, I really like your aesthetic. And I'm like, what aesthetic? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It might be hard for us to see for ourselves, especially maybe for some artists who still might not be sure what they mm -hmm. want to keep making with their art yet yeah. as well. Um, <laughs> so I can see why, yeah, many artists, yeah. including yourself, might also feel like, huh? Like, what do they see? <laughs> Even though it's also quite a compliment, mm -hmm. though, too, if they really admire or are inspired by um, the look and feel of your art as well. Yeah, no, that's true as well, definitely. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, oh, yeah, a technical question, actually. Again, yeah. more of these questions are just like for my own curiosity. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's okay. <laughs> what's your what canvas size do you use, especially in Procreate? Because I know the the layers get limited the bigger you go. Oh, so lately, okay, lately I've been actually choosing them based on inches. When before I used to use pixels, um, specific pixel sizes, but I think they're usually at least, um, at least over. 2,500 or over 3,000 pixels on the shortest size or side. <laughs> uh, 
and yeah, they can maybe get up to 5,000 or 6,000 pixels on the longer sides, just depending, uh, going off of what the inch size may be. And for inches lately, I've been leaning towards 12 by 18 inches at 300 DPI, that kind of thing. Oh, actually, I mean, is it a lot or do you even check? Does it affect you? Not usually a lot, but though for larger artworks, I might start to push the limit of uh, the max, but I don't usually count. And it's usually more of um, every time I work on the artwork, I keep adding a new layer just to see how much progress I've made. So it's a little, uh, maybe a little traditional painting related in a way, knowing that it's not quite so separated off depending on what's in it unless it's a, a person, like a subject or some separate animals in a piece. If it's a landscape in particular, it's usually just a few layers that just keep building and I keep merging yeah, them down. Okay. Animals seem to be a, recur a recurring theme in your work, particularly birds, like you mentioned before. So is there a reason behind this? And how do animals or characters enhance your work? So right, um, including birds, um, I did talk earlier about nature being a big motivating factor for me wanting to draw what I see. And I loved and still love collecting nonfiction books related to the environment and life since I was young. Whether it's a book about, oh, who knows, uh, dogs, marine life, or dinosaurs, it was fascinating to me, especially back then, that I could go around and draw as many species as I wanted and I could. And going forward with my exposure to video games and other media, that only really strengthened due to the interesting animals and animal-inspired creature designs out there, which definitely was the most motivating before venturing into landscapes and more. And they still come into my landscapes as well. It's just nice to have some subjects or some life to fill a landscape with. And yeah, animals have always felt more approachable to me than people. It could be remnants of that childlike wonder that continue to stay with me, but they're complex and inviting in a way that is a little bit different from drawing people. Maybe having less of that man or man-made touch in an artwork that I like, and especially if it comes to portraits, even though I am working to try and improve with them because, oh, it opens up more possibilities being able to draw people portraits as well to me. It still feels like animals are more comfortable in a way just because I have been doing them for so long. And while I've loved delving into practicing them more for my personal project, for another personal project, animals have always been close to heart, such as my Endangered Species series of artworks that I worked on a few years ago, highlighting animals at risk of extinction. It really means a lot to have had the chance to draw and raise awareness for wildlife in this way, where these kinds of artworks are just my little homage to the diverse life and phenomenons of the natural world alongside being art, uh, bringing in that little touch of fantasy that I really enjoy just going wild with and feeling free to add in. And okay, especially as for birds, they've become an unintentionally big part of my art as the years have passed, especially recent years. I'd include birds in many of my landscapes, the more I practice them, similar to those little quirks artists may have recurring in their work, whether it's a character or uh, who knows, just a certain phenomenon with the landscape. But yeah, I never really realized how much I enjoyed drawing birds and including them in my art or as a design element in my work until some friends at uni would repeatedly point out 
that my designs were recognizable because of them. It's the little things commented like, I knew this piece was yours because of the birds or also things like the clouds, the stars, etc. And the little birds made me think of you. So I don't know, it was, it's just pretty sweet. And it kind of made me like them a lot more and made me embrace those elements and want to include them more. My illustration work also often includes some dreamy, nostalgic, and somewhat escapist themes. And I think birds usually fit the moods that I'm going for with them. Um, yeah, in general, I just really love them. <laughs> That's really nice. I think you kind of, it's almost like the birds are a representation of the progress of your art, because initially you, you didn't even know that they were there, but they've kind of just grown with you as your art has improved in a way. Yeah, I like the notion of yeah. that too. It sounds really cute. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned um, people portraits. I mean, I'd be curious to know how you think doing portraits would enhance or help your landscapes or your the art that you're doing right now. Oh, well, I think um, definitely when it comes to storytelling, if I want to include any of my people characters, just more up close than being a small person in a landscape. It's definitely going to open up more possibility for what can be shown and maybe feeling a little bit more of a personal connection with the character rather than what's bigger or the land beyond them. And yeah, I think I found, I did make one fan art one time that was it was more like, it wasn't just a portrait, it was a character that's more close up, uh, a character from Fire Emblem, which is Byleth, um, the main character that we play as in Fire Emblem Three Houses. And I think that was a little bit more of a step for me wanting to draw characters a little bit larger in landscapes, but also not forgetting that the landscape is there. And something like that, is something that I'd like to do more of, where I think there's a bit more of a balance between the character and the background, um, rather than being a character that just happens to be having a background, that kind of thing. I mean, I noticed you've been doing some characters for your, I think it's for your world building project. Is her name Isia? I don't know how you pronounce that. <laughs> yeah, Isia. That's correct. I think, um, and practicing any character drawings with her is also helpful because um, I can draw her as a person or she's also not quite human so she can change forms between looking like a human or being mm. in a creature form which is also comfortable yeah, as well. That's cool. That's like a nice kind of segue <laughs> between doing the animals and the humans. It's a comfort zone kind of approach in a way. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, why not? Like, if that's what you enjoy doing, then, and if it's in what people enjoy seeing as well, then why not? <laughs> um, where do you get your inspiration for your backgrounds? Is it, I mean, is it real life or is it Pinterest? Uh, where do you go to get inspiration? Oh, inspiration for backgrounds in general? Yeah, because I see you do a lot of studies and things and like your compositions. I mean, I'd love to know where you get that in store? Oh, well, especially lately, um, I've especially been inspired by just fairly local uh, landscapes. So, um, well, in terms of wilderness here in Canada, maybe, and the Arctic, which has led to more of the snowy landscapes. And I think I've especially been inspired by yeah the tundra polar landscapes and the northern lights or night skies lately because um, it was just in the past year that I realized oh wow from where I live I can actually see the northern lights but I never knew I guess in that way well I've always been inspired by night skies and mountainous landscapes which are I think fairly familiar as well 
but yeah, the Northern Lights have been inspiring lately, and I'd love to bring that into my artwork more. But in general, I think, yeah, especially in the past year, more local landscapes in that way, um, or wintry landscapes have been especially inspiring. But from before that, I think mountains and just any kind of valleys, anywhere that seems kind of far away and maybe not so populated in a way has always been inspiring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So do you normally um, take your own photos or do you find them online? Uh, it's a mix of both. I have a lot of, mm. uh, I especially have a lot of sky photos like from sunsets um, just because mm -hmm. there's, it seems like an endless possibility of colors that can be for mm. um, the clouds and everything. Yeah, it's a mix of my own references, uh, any photos I've taken maybe on travels or even close to home based on the colors that might inspire me along with the land. And also, um, of course, photos and artwork from others that might give an idea for how to structure the land or, yeah, where we can go with um, using the land just to create yeah. something new or some interesting shapes mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing yeah that's cool do you tend to mix photos or do you just kind of go with one reference photo oh definitely mix photos mm, that's cool yeah i think because yeah. the biggest thing is that i want to draw some inspiration from multiple and i don't want it to look too much like one photo that's why i did a recent challenge that um what did i call it again oh i called it yesterday's study because i was sharing it on instagram uh it was a daily study of photos and i actually found that to be a big challenge because i don't usually follow references so closely <laughs> studying them in that way and yeah something like that i would definitely prefer to have multiple references just to maybe pick aspects that I like from each that may work work for the new artwork that I'm going for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you're using Procreate, how do you, like, do you use your phone to see the references or do you use the reference tab? I mean, how does it work oh. for you? Uh, so on iPad, I usually, there's kind of, you can split the screen. And yeah, I usually put um, maybe Safari or Pinterest or my own photos uh, just on one side and then Procreate on the other side. All right. Um, we've kind of gone all over the place. I just had so many questions. <laughs> That's okay. But let's, get yeah, let's get back to the questions we had. And one of the questions I had was your username because most artists and even myself I changed my username because I noticed most other artists are using their actual name. So I thought, okay, yeah. maybe I should do that. But you actually still use an alias. Mm -hmm. So do you think that this has hindered you or it's helped you in any way? Right. And I totally hear where you're coming from, especially uh, maybe from the graphic design side for preferring our full name just to market ourselves in that way. But yeah, actually, for for Nimitsu, I think, yeah, I've really grown into it over the years. It's actually derived from, so Nimitsu is actually derived from uh, Nimitsu, a character name from an old story of idea of mine from 2012. And developed over time, I liked um, the S said you or Tsu at the end instead of Tsu. It came to feel more solidified to me as an alias over time. And despite everything, I did make my name known over time, uh, just especially being advised that for the graphic design side. But for illustration, since I've really grown so attached to it, I just decided to keep it as well and go with both. But 
Yeah, I do agree that using our given name can be great for marketing. I was especially recommended this as it's more common to go by your own name, uh, depending on the different industries. And I guess, well, professionally in creative industries in general. So for example, I chose to go with nimitsu.com for my domain rather than my full name as I've kept this name for years, though others may chose to go with other names for their own business. But in my own experience, my alias has not hindered me Though I do definitely enjoy having my name out there as well, just in case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's like best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's cool as well that you use Nimitsu for your illustration. It's kind of like a like a superhero. <laughs> like Spider-Man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never thought of it that way, but cool. <laughs> it's just yeah, like that's cool. I flip I flip the sides. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so you studied, I mean, you mentioned that you studied graphic design or visual communication in school. So how has learning from an institution helped to develop your art? I haven't studied illustration, but I studied visual communication design or graphic design in post-secondary. More than anything, learning in the design direction helped with my process and time management alongside honing my technical abilities. Graphic design is more than just the visuals. There's the research, message, and overall intention behind all these little choices. We're taught about all the little graphic elements to be sensitive about in order to market the message clearly. Across visual communications and art, there's plenty of similarities and differences, though I found art can be more open to interpretation. There are processes from both that can be great to take away into each other, like design being helpful for building my freelance process with art. And learning from design in post-secondary was especially helpful for improving the care and clarity of my art. No matter how surreal or abstract or rough textured and blurry the idea may be. Yeah, I think I liked what you said about um, in graphic design, you have all these little graphic elements. I feel like maybe in your art, you know, when you add all the little details into the artwork, that's kind of, you know, directly like a parallel comparison in a way. Yeah. And just being sensitive about even the little things like like we might be taught with Mm. art about um, any tangents or any distracting areas, just being a Mm. little more clear in that way yeah all right what does your art mean to you and how does it affect your life simply put art means a lot to me and deeply affects how i view the world i think i've come to realize how much an artist's personal experiences build into their own work and yeah a lot of my art is inspired by feelings places and personal ideas i want to get across It's my passion to storytell, and with my own world-building project, I found inspiration from so many more places, never really having a shortage of ideas, like finding inspiration close to home, like I've mentioned earlier. I'm not sure what I'd do if I couldn't create, um, because for me, making art is as much living as other hobbies and parts of my life. It's kind of similar to how I think I've heard I don't know where I read this before, but I remember someone saying that um, I'd give anything or I'd pay if I could just create art and just do that and continue to do that. Because, yeah, it's just, it's too fun just making things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it's kind of like, um, I forgot the word, but it's kind of like a, a perpetual cycle in the sense that the more you make art, the more you get inspired. Yeah. And then, you know, the cycle continues. The more you want to challenge yourself yeah. to just get better <laughs> and get good. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Which brings me to the last question, which is something that I've been asking everyone. And that is, remember a time you were stuck in a deep creative rut? How did you break free? Oh, okay. So 
This is interesting to think about because sometimes I can't quite think of one main um, art block or creative rut. But I think from all the times I've been stuck with art and my creativity in general, it's simply helped to do other things and carry on with other parts of my life. There may be moments of feeling intensely uncertain for a time, but I don't think I've ever felt it so strongly that it would last longer than months or weeks. By the time I've done other things, enjoyed other hobbies and things to do, I usually start to have more ideas and I'm scrambling to get back to just making things, making art, putting stuff down onto paper. Going outside and having a nice simple walk around our local areas of nature can really work wonders for this too. Funny enough, I think it's usually by the time that I have motivation and ideas that I don't have enough time to do all of that again. So it's just, in a way, it's a cycle as well, just having inspiration, but no time, and then having all the time, but no inspiration. I think that might be familiar with a lot of artists out there, or most artists. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess you just never win. Really. Yeah, <laughs> just, it can be hard to win with art. <laughs> yeah, but I guess that's what makes it worth yeah. it. Yeah, the personal wins, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's overcoming the challenges. Yeah, just for yourself, mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, besides yeah. all the yeah, business yeah. or client-related stuff, it's also, it's just so personal. There's so many personal wins your it's your personal development as well alongside being something you Mm. enjoy just for Mm. fun hopefully hopefully it still continues to be for fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that's important it's a balance i suppose definitely yeah all right well thank you so much shaylin this was an absolute pleasure to talk to you yeah thank you as well And I really appreciate you inviting me on to do this. I really hope that you learned something from this episode. For me, I learned to take inspiration from the world around me and pay a little bit more attention to detail when it comes to my work, especially with the little things. With that, I'll see you next time for another episode of the Pixel Paper Podcast.